Welcome to the Marriage Steps program where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. I'm coming to you live from Facebook weekdays at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, so be sure to tune in and tell your family and friends about it. If you have any questions, be sure to direct message me or you can type them into the comments section. The first marriage fact of the night. Just two years after marriage, an estimated 20% of couples make love fewer than 10 times a year. That's a sad statistic that so quickly when marriage begins, the romance starts to fade. And I see this in my practice. A lot of the couples I work with in my practice have only been married two years or three years. So problems come in very quickly. And usually after about a year and a half is when that initial sizzle starts to fade away. So it makes sense that lovemaking would fade away with it. Second marriage fact of the night, a strong marriage rarely has two strong people at the same time. I love that. And that's really true. A strong marriage doesn't mean that you're both equally strong at all times. That's rare. Most of the time, partner A will be strong when partner B is weak. Partner B will be strong when partner A is weak. That's how you become a team, is that you can lift each other up when the other person is feeling down. And that happens in my marriage quite a lot. If my marriage, if my wife is having a good time or a good season of life and I'm struggling, she's the stronger one and vice versa. If I'm strong and feeling good and she's struggling, then I can be support to her. So that's one of the benefits of having a healthy, strong marriage is when one of you is feeling down or struggling, the other one can help you up. But again, so a strong marriage rarely has two strong people at the same time. Okay, marriage joke number one of the night. Oh, I didn't expect to see you at work today, Mr. Brundy. Isn't it your mother's mother-in-law's funeral today? Well, you know how it is. Work first, then fun. <laughs> so you may find that offensive if you enjoy your mother-in-law, but if you don't get along with your mother-in-law, you probably find that very funny. Um, a lot of people have struggles with their mother-in-laws. I have a challenging mother-in-law, uh, so you're not alone if that's you. A lot of people have struggles with their in-laws and how to get along and controlling in-laws and critical in-laws, so that's a common issue. Okay, here's a second joke of the night. Here's the secret to a long marriage. We take time to go to a restaurant two times a week. A little candlelight, dinner, soft music, and dancing. She goes Tuesdays. I go Fridays. <laughs> okay, so for the marriage message of the night, I'm going to go through five steps to better communication. Five steps to better communication. Now that you're home with your partner 24-7 because of the coronavirus, I'm sure communication is a large part of what you're doing together, and probably communication problems are getting highlighted. So Five steps. So the first one is practice active listening body language. So what is this? What is active listening body language? So your body communicates a lot of things. It tells the person how interested you are in listening. So right now I'm facing the camera. But if I turn this way and look this way, that's going to tell you I'm not really interested in what you have to say. So my body language communicates how interested I am in hearing you. So if, instead, if I face you like this, it communicates I'm interested. What do you have to say? Another body language uh, component is eye contact. So how much do you look at your partner when they're talking? Or how much do you look away? Or do you look down? 
Or do you look at your phone when they're talking to you? So body language includes not only your physical body, it also includes your eyes with where you're looking. You want to be facing your partner and you want to give them your eye contact. Another common courtesy with active listening body language is you want to put the tech away. You want to put the tech down. You want to put all the distractions away so when your partner speaks to you, you're able to give them your undivided attention. That's what it means to have active listening body language. How much do you do that for your partner? When they talk to you, do you give them 100% of your attention, 50% of your attention, or only about 10% of your attention? It makes a big difference when you're on the other side of someone not giving you their undivided attention. So that's number one for how to have better communication is you want to practice active listening body language. The second thing to consider is open-ended questions. So you may know this, but for as a review, there's two types of questions to ask your partner, open-ended versus closed-ended. Open-ended questions start with what or how. Closed-ended questions usually start with did or are. Okay, so the difference is that closed-ended questions, normally the only response you're going to get back is yes or no. So did you like the show? The answer is probably going to be yes or no. Have you done this today? The answer is going to be yes or no. Okay, so closed-ended questions usually result in less information because they're very pointed. And in a way, you're controlling the conversation because you're asking one specific component of information. So it's going to discourage your partner from sharing. However, open-ended questions do the opposite. Open-ended questions encourage your partner to share as much information as they want, and it encourages them to go in whatever direction they want. So if you ask them, how was your day? What was the best part of your day? How are you feeling throughout the day? Uh, What did you not like the most today? What are your top stressors in life right now? What are your dreams for the future right now? What do you want more of in our marriage? All those questions are with what or how. And that's going to encourage your partner to share the most. So practice open-ended questions. The third thing to consider for steps to better communication is when your partner is talking to you, you want to respond with empathy, not advice. A lot of us are fixers and our partner will share distress or something they're upset about or something they're going through and the solution feels so easy and it's on the tip of our tongue and we just want to throw out those ideas because our heart's in the right place. We're trying to help, but usually that's the last thing your partner wants to hear. If they want your advice, they'll ask for it. So the guideline is empathy and only advice if they ask for it. So this is empathy. Empathy is when you really put yourself in your partner's world, your partner's shoes. When your partner is venting to you, you wanna be thinking about several things. One, you wanna be thinking about what have they gone through in their upbringing that's impacted their development, both good and bad. Two, you wanna be thinking about what, what kind of temperament do they have? You know, how are they wired? A third thing you wanna be thinking about is what's their value system, what's important to them? Another thing to be thinking about is what are their insecurities? What's hard for them in life and why? All those things make up your partner. And so everything out of their mouth is influenced by those variables. So when you're listening to your partner, you want to be thinking about those variables because then you're really putting yourself in your partner's shoes and seeing the world from their lens. And then empathy starts to flow organically because then when they're venting, you can say things like, makes sense that you would feel sad because your friend isn't talking to you as much right now. That makes sense because you're considering all those variables that make them who they are. 
Empathy is never if you agree with what they're feeling. Otherwise, you're going to rarely be able to empathize. Instead, empathy is when you lose yourself and your partner's experience of the world and really put yourself in their shoes, then you always can empathize, even if you completely disagree with how they're feeling. So that's the way to respond back when your partner is venting. You want to always empathize, only advice when asked. The fourth thing to consider for better steps of communication is you want to share your own life. Okay, a lot of times we can get good at asking questions, we can get good at empathizing. When it comes time though to share from our own life, we don't do very well. Some of us are better than others, but a lot of us stay surface level or we're more topical or we just share more about events or actions we did. And a lot of times our partner wants to hear our heart. They want to hear where we're struggling. They want to hear where we're having some strain or difficulty in our life. How much do you share that information with your spouse? The, the, the core stuff about what you're struggling with, how much do you share that? My spouse, my wife, wants me to share more of that because I can drift towards the pattern of when we talk, I share more action items. I share more about what I did and about what I want to do the next day and about what happened. I'm more topical because that's how my mind works. But she wants me to go deeper than that and share more from the heart about my emotions and what I felt during the day and anything that was hard for me. Because that's how she's wired. She thinks more in feeling terms. I think more in action terms. So that's one thing I have to be mindful of when we're sharing our thoughts, when we're having our daily talk time, I have to be mindful of how much am I sharing my heart with my wife? How much am I sharing my struggles with my wife? How much am I sharing my low moments throughout the day with my wife? She wants to hear that content because that helps her feel close to me. How much do you share that? How easy is it for you? Or how hard is it for you? The fifth recommendation on steps to better communication is you have to develop a daily talk time rhythm with your partner. Do you have that? Do you have a daily time that you just talk with your spouse? Most couples don't have that. Most couples barely talk, maybe five minutes a day of undivided attention on each other talking. I recommend a good 30 to 60 minutes a day of just talking with your spouse. So during this daily talk time routine, you need to follow some best practices. One is you need to power down all tech. No tech is allowed. Otherwise, you're going to be competing with the, the screen and your partner. It's going to be going back and forth. So that's one guideline. No tech during your daily talk time. Another guideline is get your kids away. <laughs> they can't be there. So either they have to be in front of a movie or they have to be asleep, but no kids should be around because you're gonna be distracted. And anything else that would distract you, you gotta put it away. And it's nice to have an area that becomes your location to have this daily talk time. So it's a ritual. For my wife and I, our bed is our location for our daily talk time. And we normally do that around nine to 10 every night. So about an hour. And we take turns. You want it to be about 50-50 airtime where you're, you share that airtime. And this is where you can do the head-heart check. A lot of you have heard me teach about the head-heart check, but as a review, the head is your agenda, so what you did throughout the day, and then your heart is mad, sad, glad, or fear, and why. Some, of, some days, you're going to feel all four of those feelings. Other days, maybe you're just going to feel one of those four feelings. It's going to vary. And those feelings can be connected to your agenda items or they may be an undercurrent that has nothing to do with your agenda items. But that's some structure to help guide you during this daily talk time. You can ask your spouse, what's on your head and heart? 
and then they can share with you their agenda items, that's the head, and then the heart items, mad, sad, glad, or fear, and why. You need this daily ritual to cultivate a feeling of being best friends with your spouse. Are you best friends with your spouse? Do you know what best friends do? They talk. They talk a lot, and they share about their life a lot. That's what best friends do. So if you're not doing that currently in your marriage, I highly encourage you to start doing it so you can cultivate the emotional closeness and connectivity. So this all falls underneath marriage step number four, which is developing emotional attachment. And often this piece is needed before you go to marriage step number five, which is cultivating sexual fireworks. Okay, so those are the five steps to better communication. Number one, practice active listening body language. Number two, practice open-ended questions, starting with what and how to expand so your partner can explore and share more. Number three, practice only giving advice when your spouse talks. No advice unless they ask. Practice empathy only. Uh, Fourth is share from your own life. So you want to share from your own heart, your own struggles, so your partner feels close with you. And five, practice daily talk time so you can get in the rhythm of connecting and cultivating the best friendship. For more marriage resources, be sure to go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. If you enjoyed the program tonight, make sure to leave a review and share it with your family and friends. The Marriage Subs program is listener-supported, so to help keep it on the air, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. And remember, daily start taking steps to fill your partner's love bucket and take steps to stop draining it. Take care.